Welcome to Psychology Has It Backwards. This series will question the assumption that people are psychologically broken and need to be fixed. We will talk about how seeing people as innately healthy will change all of your interactions and outcomes. This is a true paradigm shift, and it simplifies the entire process of dealing with mental distress and allows for more profound and immediate changes. Aloha, and welcome to Psychology Has It Backwards. I'm Christine Heath, coming coming to you from beautiful Hawaii, and I'm here today with my genius, beautiful, amazing friend. (laughs) Oh, gosh. I hate to even claim that. Judy Sedgman, and I'm in Pittsburgh, and uh, Chris exaggerates. (laughs) You're so funny. You can say all that about me. And yeah, it's okay, but if I say it about you, you're like, I'm exaggerating, isn't that right? <laughs> well, I see it in you. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I see it in you. That, isn't that right. the beauty of it? Yeah. That is. Yep. So it, it's nice to have a friend that you feel that way about, and it's nice to be felt that way about. And yeah. Yeah. today we're going to talk about relationships. Mm-hmm. And one of the new buzzwords is relationship recovery, which is kind of interesting because isn't all of life about relationships? So (laughs) I guess that means that people, when they go through a bad breakup or their relationship gets really bad, like it's really physically violent or emotionally abusive, or you think it's emotionally abusive. I mean, I know that I had relationships that I thought I was being mistreated in. And I'm sure if you talk to the man, he'd be like shocked that I, (laughs) I thought that, right? So it's uh, interesting what we do with relationships in, in our world and how much credibility we give the relationship for our own well-being. You know, like it's either we're a mess because of a relationship or we're happy because of a relationship. And, you know, I know that people are frequently wanting to find Mr. or Ms. or they write. And Mm -hmm. um, it's like looking for um, somebody who's going to make you feel loved make you feel love and do go through your life together with out of that feeling of love and that's a natural normal thing that we're social creatures human beings are and so we want to do that but when we're unhappy and we think that that's what's going to make us happy or we think that that person is making us happy and then they stop making us happy then it's also their fault that we're not happy Right. So it's it's kind of like we give our we give our strength away. We give our mental well-being away sometimes in relationships. So people that have relationship recovery issues are people usually who have given away their well-being to the other person. And then it appears as if the other person has mistreated them or Mm -hmm. mistreated their love or their heart or whatever. now, I'm not saying that that doesn't happen. I mean, there people treat each other in ways that are god-awful, let me tell you. I do a, a group for um, men who are uh, charged by the court to 
get help because of domestic violence. And um, these guys can do some pretty, pretty bad things. But I also have women who are violent with their husbands and they do the exact same thing, but it's just from a different perspective. So it's, it, it's, a, it's a problem. It's not about men or women. In fact, one of the guys in the group asked me, now, Chris, do you think that men and women are different in domestic relationships and domestic violence relationships? And I was like, you know, men are not all the same. Like all of you in this group are not the same. Women are not all the same. So every single one of us has our own experience, our own separate reality that we're living in, and we act accordingly, right? And the relationship is the result of the two realities coming together. So whatever's going on is, is coming from the thinking of the people involved in the relationship. But there's nobody that, there, there because we have kind of, I call it a group think, you know, like culture is like a group think to me, it's ways that we share thinking about things. And, and we kind of have uh, uh, similar ways of thinking about life and relationships. And so there are similar things, but they're also all different. And I've, I've been working with, you know, relationship, violence, sexual abuse in families, domestic violence since 1976. And honestly, I, I still find people come up with things I've never, ever heard of to do to each other and, and, and to put uh, things that people put up with in, in their mm-hmm. lives. And it's... Um, so beautiful to see that the answer to all of those things is finding the health within themselves. So whether you've been mistreated in a relationship and you're recovering from that poor treatment in the relationship, the way out is to find that feeling of well-being for yourself and see how your insecurities have tricked you in the past to maybe putting up with bad behavior or accepting like for me it's like you love me that was it okay I, I like you yeah okay that's good because I felt so unlovable that whoever liked me I was like felt obligated to go go with them because it might be the last person you know it might be the last <laughs> chocolate chip cookie in the world as I would describe <laughs> but it, it, it's our own insecurities that kind of get in the way and then people can get into whatever they're they're doing so it's like we're going to talk today a little bit about how to really um, get on with your life and to create a new life after having a relationship that wasn't so great. You know, as, as, as you were talking about that, I thought this happens outside of the interpersonal interpersonal relationships too because it, it what you were saying reminded me of uh, a client that I had I had a medical practice management business and this person was a doctor and he was very volatile uh, and extremely mean to my staff he always treated me well because I was the CEO of the company and he was impressed you know he wanted to always wanted to speak to the person in charge but he was rude to everybody else and, and sometimes just unbelievable and reasonable and nasty. And, but he, 
he was worth a lot to our company because he was in trouble so much. You know, he had such a he had such a bad attitude towards everything in life that he was always getting sued and always ending up at cross purposes with a hospital and this and that. So we had a lot of problems to solve. And uh, he, you know, he was a kind of a important part of our revenue. And so for for a few years, I put up with it. And I thought, well, you know, he, he represents a lot to our business and I'm nice to the staff. And I was always trying to make up for his, you know, if, they, if, he got, if somebody upset him, I would try to calm them down and help them. And I felt like I was doing the best I could. And the very first time I ever heard Sid Banks talk, um, and he was not talking about relationships. He was just talking about happiness. He was talking about peace of mind and satisfaction and contentment and gratitude and these beautiful feelings that people can live in. And I, I walked out of that talk. I, I really couldn't wrap my, my mind around it intellectually, and I just walked out in this very nice feeling. And I started to drive back to the office, but instead I turned into the parking lot of the medical office building that I had to pass, and I marched up to that client's office, and I fired him as a client. And I said, uh, you know, and he was, oh, he was so angry. He was cursing at me and he was throwing things around and pounding on the desk. And um, and he said, you can't do this and blah, 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 blah. And I said, well, yeah, I really can. The contract says that either party can <laughs> dissolve it as long as they give three weeks notice. And I'm going to give you a month's notice and we're going to make sure that your staff is trained and everything is transferred well. And he's still screaming at me and he says, I'm going to ruin you in the medical community. I'm going to ruin your life. I'm going to ruin your business. And I said, well, um, I'll have my attorney call your attorney. And I just left. And I went back to my office and I had to tell my staff. And of course, they were on the one hand relieved to have this person out of our lives. And on the other hand, terrified that I was the business would fail because he was he represented. We were small and startup and he represented a pretty significant part of the business. And, you know, I reassured them and I promised them that, you know, I was going to really reconsider how we were doing business and who we were doing business with. And I just didn't want us to be treated badly. And uh, I didn't think that they should, they weren't paid enough to have to put up with that kind of stuff, you know. And they were, they were grateful, but afraid. And here's the funny thing. I felt so good about it. In, in the state of mind that I was in, I had sort of reached a different level of tolerance. And I think that's what happens when you take care of yourself. And when your state of mind changes, your willingness to tolerate things that you thought you had to tolerate before just completely dissolves. Mm-hmm. And you go, I, I'm not, not going to do this anymore. Mm-hmm. But also, you it comes with the wisdom to see how to do it without making a mess of it. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think that when I think about relationship recovery, what happened in that case is that he did try to ruin us. He went out in the community of medical community and started, you know, saying, oh, these people fired me as a client and they had no right to do that and so on. And the medical doctors didn't like him because he was always in trouble because of his personality, the way he treated people. And they were awestruck, you know, like, oh, my God, she had the guts to go in there and fire him as a client. And my business grew by leaps and bounds. And all these people came to see what we were, what, who we were and what we were doing because they couldn't believe it. Because most people just buckled under. They, he was kind of terrifying and they had been putting up with him for years. 
And so it turned out to be really funny, but it's also proof that, you know, when you, when you see beyond a relationship that isn't healthy, it doesn't, you don't have to agree with the person. You don't have to see eye to eye. You don't have to, you don't even have to like them in business. I mean, if you're married to them, you should like them, but, but, um, you have to be able to see that uh, there's a feeling behind a relationship that's more important than the details. Mm-hmm. And the feeling is respect and, and caring about the other person's well-being and, uh, you know, feeling, feeling warmly towards that person, feeling connected to them. Mm-hmm. And, you know, people used to laugh when early on in the three principles, they say, well, how would you ever pick your mate if you're out, feeling all these beautiful feelings with everybody. Well, I don't know, that works out somehow. You find this special one. <laughs> but but uh, it's true that people, you know, when you feel good about people, generally speaking, you're open to relationships and you have lots of very nice relationships. And if it doesn't work out and your state of mind changes, you can extricate yourself without pain. Yeah. And, and your well-being um, as a person, your kind of um, value as a person isn't about relationships. It's about how you think about yourself. So if you don't think that you're lovable, then, you know, we find people that will play the other partner play that act in ways that aren't loving. And we go, see, it's true. There it is right there. It's another example of how I'm unlovable. Right. And, you know, that that's so important because when people – when two people get together or three people to get together, I mean, there's interesting relationships now that are beyond mm-hmm. two people, that's for sure. But um, when people get together and one person is very insecure and treats the other person in a very negative way, the other person kind of starts thinking maybe that person is right, what they're saying and what they're doing. And they start to doubt themselves. They start to have negative thinking about themselves. And, when they end the relationship, like the reason they've come up with this relationship recovery is because they keep thinking about it. So yeah. once they're out, it's still on their mind all the time. And when it's on their mind all the time, then they see it in their life. So they see things that remind them of that, or they think that they can't trust anybody. So you know, it, it's like they're living in the same feeling of the relationship, even though they're out of the relationship, right? They're, because they're living in those thoughts in their mind and carrying that through time. So part of understanding how thought works re- recognizes that when you're out of something that's unhealthy, just keep your mind off of it. Don't mm-hmm. keep thinking about it. Don't go back into it because that's what you want to get out of in your mind, not in your life. I mean, in your life, maybe too, but it, it, you have to get out of it in your mind in order to move on in your life. Otherwise, you just stay right there. So you're either like terrorized all the time or you're angry all the time or you're feeling hurt all the time. Like one of the people in our uh, one of my groups, um, parent committed suicide when he was five and he never met the dad, never knew him, didn't, didn't live with him. And dad killed himself. Somewhere along the line, he got mad about that, that his dad killed himself before he could know. And, and, and then he kind of extrapolated on that and said that his dad, 
if he'd lived and had been a good dad, he wouldn't have had the bad life that he had. This guy was been in prison and all kinds of things. Mm-hmm. And, um, and it was interesting because he was so mad at this guy. He was so mad at his dad, mad, rageful at his dad that he'd never met, that he'd never, ever seen. But the thought of his dad was what was causing his, his rage, literally, because he said, I'm going to, if he was alive now, I'd kill him. Like, it's, <laughs> it, it's so funny how, how powerful our thinking can be to create um, our, our distress and then blame it on somebody else. Now, was it sad that his dad committed suicide when he was young and didn't get to know him? Yes. But his, his dad could have been way worse, could have, you know, beat the crap out of him, could have done all kinds of things to him that would have been then he doesn't know that, but he made up in his mind that if his dad was alive, his life, he'd be better. He'd be happy. Right. So that's kind of the, the deal is that we, um, we get in a relationship and then we trust the other person. Then they change and they do something stupid, like have an affair or, you know, use all your finances or do something that's not very loving. And then we blame all relationships from that point on, on this mm-hmm. one person's behavior, right? It's like we kind of extrapolate and make it be about men or about women and, and, or about people. Or, uh, and that's kind of the, the problem that create this need for relationship recovery is because you're holding on to the memory of that, carrying it through time, and then trying to live your life. <laughs> I have a great example of that, Chris. I was doing, I used to do groups when I first learned the principles. I volunteered at a shelter for women who were extricating themselves, uh, you know, recovering, actually were recovering from violent um, marriages. And um, so, you know, we did, we did a lot. They did a lot for these women, but, you know, I I did a group and trying to, work with the principals and learn how to do this. So I had this group one night and I was talking about thought and about how we, you know, the present moment being all we have and this kind of thing. And this one woman in the back was getting very agitated. And finally she just stood up and she said, that is nothing but bullshit. And everybody was shocked, you know, because it was a group of women. They didn't talk like that back then. (laughs) And, and, um, And she said, and I'm living proof of it. And I said, really, why is that? And she said, well, you can't even imagine what my husband did, the things that he did. It's just unbelievable. And it's, it plagues me. It's, you know, it has ruined my life. It's, uh, you know, he's, he, he's never, he's never far from me. And he's, it's just, I mean, she's going into all these details and you can hardly talk. And I got the feeling the guy was like living in her basement or something, you know, that they hadn't sold the house yet. Or it just sounded like she had so much connection to him. So I said, well, you know, does your husband live close to you or something? And she said, no, we're in Sarasota, Florida. She said, no, 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 he lives in Chicago. And I said, well, I said, well when did you separate? She said, oh, we're divorced. And I said, well, when did you divorce? She said, seven years ago. Yeah. And I said, and so how is this happening to you? She said, well, he was horrible. And I said, well, do you have contact with him? Do you have children or something? She said, no, I haven't spoken to him. He's married to somebody else. He lives in Chicago. 
said, I haven't spoken to him for seven years. And I said, well, how is he getting into your life? And she said, well, he was so horrible. And she's going on and starts again. And I said, no, how is that happening to you now? What does that have to do with your life now? And, and she could, the only answer she had is how horrible he was. And that's a perfect illustration, Chris, of what you were saying, that, you know, if you can't get it off your mind, you just keep reliving it as though it was still happening. Right. It's true of everything. But with relationships, right. it's really powerful because it, it, it held her back from doing, she didn't even really fully participate. They said to me after that group, it was very revealing to the people because they didn't know this about her. And, and they said, you know, we, we just, she's never gotten into this program. She doesn't enjoy it. She doesn't have the same enthusiasm for it that the other women have. And I said, cause she hasn't put her relationship behind her yet. She's still mm-hmm. suffering from it. Mm-hmm. And the rest of them are all trying to move on. You know? And so uh, I ended up talking to her a couple of times and, um, you know, she started to calm down. And when she started to calm down, she said, well, all I can say is I hope he's making that other woman miserable now. And I said, well, whatever you think about him, you're wasting your time. You know, don't, it doesn't matter. He could be happy as a clam. You'll never know. It doesn't matter to you. It has nothing to do with you. And, and I think she came to the realization that that was part of her problem is she felt it was unresolved because he had never apologized. He had never, they had, you know, got divorced, but they never had a kind word between them. Well, sometimes that's true. You know, usually when there are children involved, people work something out. But when there's no children involved, people just go their separate ways. And he just moved on. And mm-hmm. she didn't. Yeah. But recovery is not about hating him so much that you just can't, you know, you're going to get revenge on him because he'll never know. <laughs> mm-hmm. Now, if, if those of you that are listening out there, if, if there is a, uh, if if you're living in trauma from a relationship, we're not trying to downplay it. Um, no. That that you, you can get stuck in those memories and live in terror. But we just right. want you to know that there's hope for you. That right. focusing on what happened to you and being afraid is not something you're stuck with because you went through it. You've got the strength inside of you and the wisdom inside of you to live a totally different life and to find love in life and to really find it within yourself. Because that's where your strength is, and and you can change that. So that's one of the reasons we're doing this is because people tend to um, suffer a lot because they've lived uh, their life with someone who is what I call kind of malfunctioning. And Mm -hmm. if they have like a lot of really insecure thinking and really uh, violent behaviors and really hurtful ways of talking, you can get that in your head without realizing it. And then you start thinking there's something wrong with you. And so when the relationship ends, you're still thinking there's something wrong with you, but there's nothing wrong with you. It's just that people live at different levels of consciousness and they operate from different states of mind. And so whatever the person is doing that you thought was mean or cruel, or it was mean and cruel, mm-hmm. um, you just got to understand that's their level of consciousness. If they could see to do better, they would. But literally, that's as good as they can see to do. So that should be your alert. Like, oh, dear, this person is uh, malfunctioning. I have to be wary of being around this person because he could, she or she could hurt me. Mm-hmm. Right? So that's the point here. It's not for you to, to 
like feel bad because you haven't recovered from your relationship, but it's to tell you that you can, like you can be a different person. You can find your strength and, and have a beautiful relationship with whoever you want to. But if you find somebody that's insecure, again, in the same way, you're likely to repeat it. And that's Mm -hmm. what happens frequently is we keep finding the same person in different realities, right? And, And so then it becomes, it becomes the truth about us rather than, oh, what is it that attracting me to these kinds of people? You know, like, what do I need to learn here for myself to find, to feel strong myself and not think I need somebody else? Uh, I'll end with one last story. I had this woman I worked with who was married to a lawyer um, in Honolulu, and he used to beat the crap out of her. And so badly that she got epilepsy from being smacked in the head too many times. And um, they finally got divorced. And of course, when they got divorced, she was totally indigent. And he was very wealthy and she was seeing this psychiatrist because of her epilepsy. And she was, cause she was having um, uh, visual hallucinations. And so she, he sent her to our group and, and she said to me, she said, you know, when I was in college, we were at the student lounge and I was talking to him and I had a date. And so I told him I have to go because I've got a date and now this is how long ago he said, she said he took out a dime for the payphone and put it on the table and pushed it over to me. And he said, call and cancel it. And she said, oh, I thought that was meant that he really cared about me and that he really liked me. And that that was really him showing me that uh, he really cared about me. She said, little did I know he was a controlling guy and that that was going to be the, the, the rest of my life. I just, she said, I misinterpreted his control and insecurity for confidence. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times that happens. We just don't see how we're interpreting things in a way that makes us feel better temporarily, but we're not really seeing the person as they are. So, you know, it's like find your own strength, be your own strong person. Then you right. can find another person who's strong and can be with you. And know that if the relationship didn't work out that you had, there's another better one coming. You just got to look in that direction, right? Because it's like if it wasn't right for that person, for the other person to be in a relationship with you, it's not right for you. That relationship is not right for you either. There's something better coming. And the, the best route to finding something is to just be in the present and forget about the past. Put it behind you and let it be. Mm-hmm. I think there's a song about that. Let it be. Yeah, let, let it be. <laughs> anyway, thank you all for listening, and uh, we'll see you next week, or we'll talk to you next week anyway. Have a great week. Aloha. We hope you heard something new and that you will continue to join us to challenge the prevailing thinking about the possibilities for health in everyone. To subscribe to the podcast, visit our website at psychologyhasitbackwards.com. 